This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less tax. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of WealthAbility. So the question always is, am I trying to work more hours or get more work done? And the topic of today is how do you get more work done by making sure you get the right amount of sleep and the right kind of sleep? And we have the expert on the subject, the sleep doctor himself, uh, is in the house, Dr. Michael Bruce. Uh, Dr. Bruce, so good to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Oh, uh, Tom, thanks for having me here. I'm excited to uh, answer questions and talk about how to actually make more money by getting better sleep. I like it. So, um, you know, it's one of the things I, I, I remember, for example, a few years ago, I had a, a buddy who was about 15 years older than me and we'd meet at the gym and he'd say, I say, how do you take time out of your busy day for the gym? He says, I don't see as it time out of my day because I see it's extending my life and I actually get more done when I work out than if I just worked more. So, um, you know, just to give us an overview, how does sleep play into being more um, effective uh, when you're actually working rather than just working longer? Yeah, so this is actually a really interesting question. Um, and uh, you know, when I when I talk with people about sleep and sort of how does sleep work, I'm a big science guy. So I'm always about evidence-based work. So where's the research? What does the research show? Things of that nature. Interestingly enough, sleep in the workplace is something that has been studied quite a bit. Um, and we've got some really good data on it. So as an example, the big thing we always try to avoid is sleep deprivation, right? So let's define what does sleep deprivation mean? Because to be honest with you, it's different for different people. So as an example, I go to bed around midnight. I wake up without an alarm around 6.30 every single day. So I get about six and a half hours of sleep. My wife goes to bed around 11. She wakes up around 7.30. She gets about eight and a half hours of sleep. I'm not sleep deprived. If she slept the amount of hours that I sleep, she would be sleep deprived, right? So knowing and understanding what your personal level of sleep deprivation is, is very, very important to understand the context in which all of this research is done. So, right? so, so, so how do you figure that out? How do, how do you know? I mean, outside of I've been dragging lately, right? Yep. How do you figure out that, oh, I'm really sleep deprived? So there's a couple of signals or signs that people don't know about that I thought I would talk to people about. So number one, most people have a tendency to feel sleepy in the mid-afternoon, somewhere between 12 and 1. That's pretty normal. People, that, that feeling should go away by about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. If you're feeling tired at 3 or 4 o'clock, that's a definite sign that you have potential sleep deprivation. Another sign, one that many people don't know about, is if you fall asleep in under 5 minutes, there's a high likelihood that you are sleep deprived. Oh, interesting. Right. So the natural sleep process should take somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes for your body to relax and then fall into sleep. But if you're so worked over that you haven't had sleep in so long that when your head, head hits the pillow, boom, you're out, that is a sure sign that you're sleep deprived. Another big sign that you're sleep deprived, one that a lot of people might not realize, hitting the snooze button. Okay. Uh, you're getting... You're getting the right amount of sleep and you're feeling good when you wake up. You don't even think about this news button. I would argue in many cases, you don't even turn on your alarm. So for people who require an alarm and hit the snooze button anytime more than one time, there's a pretty decent sign that you're sleep deprived. Make so, sense? So, 
Yeah. So let me ask you about that. So um, you you talk about setting the alarm. So I am an anti-alarm person. So how important is it to, like you say, you get up, you know, when you're going to get up, you know, when you're going to go to bed, you know, when you're going to get up and you know how much sleep, cause you've, you know, you've done this for, I mean, this is your expertise, obviously, but um, when people are constantly setting their alarm, what does that, what does that tell you? So for the, so here's one of the things that it tells me is there's an idea out there that I've written about called chronotypes. So this idea, uh, and you may not have heard the term, but you've actually heard of the concept. If anybody's ever been called an early bird or a night owl, right? Turns out that inside of our genes, it actually tells us exactly when we are supposed to sleep. And it's all based on genetics. 99% of people have no idea about this, by the way. But if you go to my website, chronoquiz, Dot com. You can take a quiz. It takes two, three minutes, and it tells you exactly what time to go to bed and what time to wake up. So I've done the science. I've done the hard work for you um, in most of the cases. So going to take the quiz can be very beneficial. But let's say you don't want to do that and you just want to have a general guideline. Here's what I tell people. The average sleep cycle is 90 minutes long. The average human has five of those. Okay. So five times 90, right? We're, we're all into math here, right? Five times 90 is 450 minutes divided by 60 is seven and a half hours. So number one, eight hours is a myth. I mean, we just did the math and the math doesn't even work, right? So I want to be very clear. Everybody needs their own amount of sleep, but let's take this number of seven and a half hours. Everybody seems to have what I call a socially determined wake up time. Here's what that means in real language. What time do your kids get up? What time do your dogs get up? Or what time do you get up and have to pee? Okay, because that's really what's what's driving a lot of that kind of stuff. Then count backwards from that seven and a half hours, and that becomes your bedtime. Because the variability is almost always in the bedtime, not in the wake-up time, right? Because you wake up at roughly the same time at least five days a week. My argument would be, I want that to be seven. Um, and there's some very specific reasons why it should be seven. To be clear, trying to catch up on sleep over the weekends. It's a terrible idea, number one. And number two, it doesn't work very well. Let me explain the science real quick and then we'll get back to sleep deprivation and how it affects the workforce. The reason that we get up at the same time every day, including the weekends, is twofold. When we wake up and our eyes open up in the morning, there are some cells in your eye called melanopsin cells. When light hits that cell, it tells your brain to turn off the melatonin faucet in your head. Remember guys, melatonin is kind of that key that starts the engine for sleep. So we wanna make sure that that gets turned off in the morning, otherwise we feel groggy and kind of floaty in our heads, right? But there's a second thing that goes on that's even more important, is our brain sets a timer for approximately 14 hours later. Here's the trick that nobody knows. Your brain cannot tell time. This is a very strange concept, but let me explain. If you're waking up at 6 a.m., 6 a.m. every day, 14 hours later, your brain kicks in melatonin at 8 p.m. But if you're waking up at 6 and then you wake up at 9, your brain doesn't know to, to kick off at 8. It just knows 14 hours later, which means your melatonin isn't kicking off until 11, which means you're probably not falling asleep until midnight, right? You do that for a couple of nights in a row, you've shifted your circadian rhythm. This is why Mondays suck. Okay, because we stay up late on Friday night, sleep in on Saturday, stay up late on Saturday, sleep in on Sunday. What does your body want to do by Monday? All it wants to do is sleep. Well, in. that would also explain jet lag to some exactly. extent, right? <laughs> because because now you're traveling. I've always 
So, so I learned many years ago, cause like you, I travel a lot around the world speaking. And yeah. what I found was, is that it, it didn't matter when I went to bed. I, I knew I had to wake up at right. the same time, no matter where I was. So if I'm in London and I would normally wake up at six o'clock in the morning um, in Phoenix, I need to still wake up at six o'clock in the morning in London, which, right. which means I need to readjust that, that time frame, right? Exactly. Exactly. It does. And so there's actually an app that will help people do that. And full disclosure, I helped develop it and I'm a part owner in the app. It's called Time Shifter. T-I-M-E-S-H-I-F-T-E-R. So what we do is we look at where you are, where you're going and your chronotype, and we give you a jet lag plan so that when you land, you arrive on the time of your destination. Now it takes two days for this to get into effect. So I want to be clear when you get, when you download time shifter, you have to start working on yourself two days before you leave. However, once you do that, you literally land on the time that you need. So I've done this to Beijing. I've done this to Portugal. I've done this to Spain. I've done this to Paris, uh, to London. So, and it works like a charm. The stricter you are, the better off you are. But let's get back to the whole idea of sleep deprivation for just a moment. So as you recognize where your level of sleep deprivation is, whether whatever you figure out, Number one, let's talk about what does that do to your work performance. Now, here's what's interesting is when we think about performance, in a lot of cases, we think about physical performance, right? So reaction time slows down. We know that's for sure. Believe it or not, testosterone slows down for you guys out there. Um, We've now seen that if you lose approximately an hour of sleep each night, at the end of 10 days, um, your testosterone is equal to that of somebody that's 10 years older than you. Okay. So if you're 55 and you don't have a whole lot of testosterone to begin with, and you're sleep deprived, you've got the testosterone of a 65 year old, right? When you're talking about competitive athletics, that gets very interesting very quickly. So some of my patients are professional athletes, 22 years old. They're not getting enough sleep. They're playing like a 33 year old. That's not going to, their shelf life is done at that point. right? Right. So understanding what the parameters are of your job from a physical standpoint, know and understand something. If you ain't sleeping, there's no universe where you're going to be able to keep up. <laughs> All right. Hey, if you like financial education the way I do, you're going to love Buck Joffrey's podcast. Buck's a friend of mine. He's a client of mine. He's a former board certified surgeon and he's turned into a real estate professional. So he has this podcast that is geared towards high paid professionals. That's who he's geared towards. So if you're a high paid professional, you're going, look, I'd like to do something different with my money than what I'm doing. I'd like to get financially educated. I'd like to take control of my money and my life and my taxes. I would love to recommend Buck Joffrey's podcast, which is called Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. I hope you join Buck on this adventure of a lifetime. So let's get to the practical part. The, the most practical part of this is, so you're not sleeping. So what do you need to do? What 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 do you have to change? Um, let's yep. say you wake up in the middle of the night or let's mm-hmm. say that, you, you know, you wake up and I mean, I've had, a, had nights where I wake up and I'll, I'll be literally be up reading for an hour before I can get back to sleep. Cause the I got a starts- whole plan for people. I got a whole plan for everybody, but that, but I just want to finish one little extra point here, which is we also have to talk about cognition and sleep deprivation to be clear when you're sleep deprived, you are not thinking clearly. I want to make a very important point here. You are a higher risk taker when you are sleep deprived. 
So if you're a stockbroker and you're managing people's money and you're sleep deprived, you will make more risky decisions than you would if you were well slept. That becomes very important from a performance standpoint in a lot of different areas. Morale is another one. Leadership follows the well slept, okay? If you are a well slept leader, you are more open to new ideas. You have a less aggressive attitude. You work better with your employees and your employees. And this is real data. Employees love working for bosses that sleep well because they're nicer humans. They get bigger raises and the environment works better, right? There's, there's tremendous amounts of data on this particular area. Um, that's that's really pretty interesting. So when we start to think about it, we're like, okay, Michael, we get it. If you're sleep deprived, your work doesn't your work product isn't so great. What do you do about it, and how do you stop from being sleep deprived? Number one, like I said before, head on over to Chrono Quiz and figure out when you should be sleeping. Because if you sleep inside what I call your chronotypical swim lane, here's what happens: your sleep gets more efficient. Um, you actually require less sleep if you're inside your genetic chronotypical swim lane. But let's say you're doing that, but you still wake up at two o'clock in the morning, just like you said, and you say, oh crap, what do I do now? So I have a particular method and it's gonna take me about three minutes to explain the whole thing. I'm letting everybody know, sit back, but it's gonna make sense and it works, all right? So number one, most people wake up between two and four in the morning. When your core body temperature rises, rises, rises till about 10.30, it has to fall. That fall is a, a signal to your brain to release melatonin. Remember, key that starts the engine for sleep. Your body, core body temperature continues to fall till about two o'clock in the morning. And then it has to go up. Otherwise, you're going to go hypothermic. You're going to freeze, right? So as soon as it starts to get, your body gets warmer, it's easier to wake up. So there's a biological reason why most people wake up at that time. Now, to be fair, if you've had a lot of caffeine that day or a lot of alcohol that day, you're gonna wake up a lot easier than if you didn't at that particular moment. But let's just keep going on this idea of, I woke up because my body is, no, is getting warm. The very first thing that 99% of people do is look at the clock. Now, I gotta be honest with you. This is a terrible idea <laughs> because here's what happens. You look at the clock, you instantly do the mental math and you say, Oh crap, it's 3.30 in the morning. I have to get up at six, sleep, sleep, sleep. And you try to sleep, okay? I have a theory. I think sleep is a lot like love. The less you look for it, the more it shows up, okay? So when you're out there looking for that perfect person in your life, you never seem to find them. But the second you stop looking so hard, they wander in. Sleep is exactly the same way. When you look at the clock and you say, oh crap, you have instantly now raised your heart rate, raised your blood pressure, and raised your anxiety. Here's the metric that nobody knows. You have to have a heart rate of 60 or below to enter into a state of unconsciousness. So this is not a difficult game to play once you understand the rules, right? So how do we get somebody back to sleep to a heart rate of 60 or below? Number one, don't go pee. I wanna be clear about this. If you don't have to go to the bathroom, don't. So many people, they wake up at 3.30 in the morning, they're like, well, I'm up. Let me see if I need to pee. This is a terrible idea. Remember that 60 heart rate? When you go from a lying position to a seated position to a standing position and you walk across the room, what do you think happens to your heart rate? Straight up, yep, yep. right? So then you have two problems. You have a sleep problem and a heart rate problem. So if you don't have to go, please don't. I wanna be clear. If you gotta pee, go pee. All right, because it's going to mess with your head the whole time. But if you're thinking, oh, maybe I do, maybe I don't, you don't. 
okay? Lie there and relax. There's now data on something called non-sleep deep rest. This is very interesting. So you're not actually asleep, but you're lying in a dark room, quiet, not moving, okay? Turns out that's rejuvenative. To be fair, it's not like sleep. But if you did an hour of that, it's like 20 minutes of sleep. So for a lot of people who are sitting there saying, oh crap, I'm never gonna fall back asleep. It's three o'clock in the morning. Relax, okay? While you're just lying there, you're actually helping yourself out. So even if you don't fall back asleep the whole morning and you lie there for three hours, you're getting about an hour's worth of sleep, okay? Now comes the part where how do I reduce my heart rate? Four, seven, eight, breathing. This is a technique that was developed by Dr. Andrew Weil for the Navy SEALs. So if you're a Navy sniper, you know that if your heart rate is above 60, you can actually change the trajectory of the bullet, okay? So what they have to do is they have to lower their heart rate below 60 and fire between heart rates, heartbeats rather. But they get them to below 60 and 60 is our magic number. So we're gonna use their technique to our advantage. So the technique is quite simple. You breathe in for a count of four, you hold for a count of seven, and you push out for a count of eight. I wanna be clear, this is not a hard push. This is a soft, easy in and out. But what it does is it dumps all the excess carbon dioxide out of your system, allows for fresh oxygen to come in and your heart needs to do less work, which therefore lowers your heart rate. Seven to eight cycles of this, your heart rate is below 60. You're calm and relaxed, knowing that even if I don't fall asleep, I'm here and my body is getting some form of rejuvenation. And then the natural sleep process has the tendency to take over. Make sense? It, it, it does. Do you find that also helps? Because, um, you know, a lot of us, you, you wake up in the middle of the night, your brain, you woke up because your brain's busy, right? I mean, that's that's part so of why you woke up. To be honest with you, that's not accurate. <laughs> Good. Well, so the reason that people... we're, we're breaking the myths here of sleep. We so... are. We are. So here's the thing about stress and stress before bed. Once you're unconscious, it's very unlikely that stress is what's waking you up unless it's a nightmare. Now, if you wake up and your heart is beating a million miles an hour, which is different than what we've been discussing, we've just been discussing the casual wake up at 2.30, oh shit, I'm awake type of thing. But if you wake up and your heart's racing and there's something going on, like you're thinking about the dream, that's a whole different scenario. But generally speaking, the main reason why people wake up is biology, uh, number one, and what else did they do to their body ahead of time? A lot of people kind of use sleep as the shock absorber of their day, meaning that they don't really care what's going on. If they've got a lot of stress, maybe they stay up later, maybe they go to bed earlier. It's very, it's quite variable in there. The consistency is what turns out to really help people out a tremendous amount. And again, it has a lot to do with wake up time, but waking up in the middle of the night due to a hundred percent stress, it's highly, highly unlikely. More, uh, more likely that somebody drank alcohol or had caffeine before at some point in time during the day, which has put them into a lighter stage of sleep. And now it's difficult to get back because your brain can't get into the depth of sleep any longer because of the caffeine that's still on board. Many people don't realize it. Caffeine is a half-life, meaning 50% is still in your system for six to eight hours. Oh, wow. Right? So if you stop drinking caffeine at two, Eight hours later, which is 10, which is when most people go to bed, 50% of that caffeine is still rumbling around inside your head, right? And so that's going to have a big effect on not just your ability to fall asleep, but specifically your ability to maintain sleep. A lot of people fall asleep because they're just so damn exhausted, right? But then all of a sudden the caffeine's still wandering around. So they stay in this light stage of sleep. Then their biology moves to make them a little bit warmer and then they're done, right? And so if you can go decaf, 
I highly recommend it. Me personally, I like to have a cup of coffee almost every morning. So that's what I do. I have it about 90 minutes after I wake up. And that's the only one that I have throughout, throughout the day. And that really will work much better for people as a general rule. Now, let's say you can't turn off your brain in the middle of the night. You've done your four, seven, eight breathing. And Michael, this shit just isn't working, right? Here's what you do. Count backwards from 300 by threes. This is mathematically so complicated. You can think of nothing else. And it's so doggone boring. You're out like a light. It <laughs> really works. People laugh at it. But if you try it tonight, you will be surprised because it's very difficult to figure through a pattern there. And so you end up just really doing the math, doing the math, doing the math. And you can't think of anything else. And math is boring. Um, and boom, you're done. The other thing you can do is a technique called cognitive shuffling. Uh, this is a, a it's like a word game that you play to avoid anxious thoughts. So you start with the letter A, beginning of the alphabet is apple, then the next letter B is banana, and you try to do fruits for 26 letters or whatever. Um, all you're doing here at this point is doing a boring type of re mem memorial retrieval, which should slow you down quite a bit. Um, the other big thing that I talk about with people who wake up in the middle of the night and can't fall back asleep is heat. Um, we're in the middle of the summer, and so we do know that heat has plays a large, large role in our ability to stay comfortable. So keeping that bedroom cool is going to be pretty important, as well as keeping your body cool is going to be important as well. We see a lot of people waking up in the middle of the night with night sweats, um, and not just, by the way, women going through menopause, men as well um, get night sweats, and especially if you have a cocktail with dinner. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I like scotch. I like bourbon. I like having a cocktail with dinner every once in a while. But I will tell you, I notice a difference in the quality of my sleep, even with one or two cocktails. That doesn't mean I don't have them. That just means, okay, Michael, <laughs> remember something. You're going to, like, if it's Friday night and my wife and I are going to go out and have dinner and she gets a glass of wine and I have a cocktail, that's going to be fine. But I need to have a glass of water to offset that cocktail. And I need to give myself enough time before I go to bed approximately two hours so that it doesn't have a major effect on my sleep. That's, that's, that's really interesting. Cause I, I find, you know, white wine will keep me up at night for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but if I, but you know, the French, they drink wine for lunch. And, well, and and their wine is very different than and, our and wine. it is it's not nearly <laughs> not nearly so much alcohol in it right <laughs> in france you can share a bottle of wine and you're fine you're you can't fine. do that you can't do that here no 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 not at all so yeah so it's it's really about being thoughtful about things throughout the daytime to be able to sleep better at night the other thing that i think a lot of people don't really think through as an idea is is this is another reason for daily exercise. Now, I want to be clear about something. You don't have to run a marathon. You don't have to exercise for an hour. I'm talking 20 minutes of cardio. Go for a walk. Go with your dog. I don't care. But doing consistent exercise daily, the data is tremendous that it helps over the course of your lifetime with sleep. It will help your sleep immediately. But just being a daily exerciser, here's the thing. Sleep is recovery. You got to have something to recover from. So moving that body around turns out to be a very important aspect. And then the other big, big, big one that I want to kind of double tap on real quickly is hydration. So many people don't understand how to hydrate and get hydrated. So number one, sleep in and of itself is a dehydrative event. We lose almost a full liter of water every single night from just the humidity in our breath, not even the sweat and oils that come from our skin, mind you. So when people wake up in the morning, a lot of them drink coffee as their very first um, liquid of the day. 
Remember guys, coffee is a diuretic. It makes you pee. Nothing could be worse for your system than coffee first thing in the morning. Water is what you need. I tell people all the time, when you wake up within 10 minutes of waking up, you need to drink 15 ounces of water, period. Now I wanna be clear, I didn't say 30 ounces, I didn't say 45 ounces. A lot of people overhydrate in the morning. 15 to 18 ounces is exactly what your body kinda needs. Let it soak in. Then if you wanna go do your workout or meditation or whatever it is you're doing, you, you will have enough hydration in your system then hydrate throughout the day. Now, here's the other big thing that a lot of people do is they say, well, Michael, I forgot to drink enough water today. So it's, it's eight o'clock at night. I'm going to drink three glasses. This is a terrible idea, okay? Because you're going to wake up and pee. I can assure you, right? Now, I don't want you restricting fluids per se, especially if you have diabetes. This is something you would want to talk about with your doctor, but you probably don't need to be drinking a whole lot within 90 minutes of bedtime. And make sure that you go to the bathroom before you go to bed as well. A lot of people don't think about it. They're kind of like nodding off on the couch, watching TV. They stumble into their closet. They pull off their clothes, throw on a t-shirt, boxers, maybe brush their teeth, and then they fall into bed. Really kind of thinking through what's going on with your body at that time can be about a very valuable. I tell people all the time, you need runway to land the plane right? And so give yourself some time to move into that sleep uh, universe and sleep environment. It will serve you well. And I promise you, it'll help you in your job. Well, Dr. Michael Bruce, this has been um, amazing, a lot of fun and lots of practical stuff. So remember, um, watch this over and over, listen to it over and over, because these are very practical tips. So for more information about what you do and how to not be sleep deprived, how to get that good night's sleep and the right amount of sleep, where would we go? So head on over to thesleepdoctor.com. We've got a tremendous amount of information over there. Also, one of the things, it's this is interesting too, Tom, uh, the number one question that I get asked is what bed should I buy? So um, so we've done a tremendous number of mattress reviews for people. Oh. So you can really kind of know and understand like what's out there because they all look like fuzzy rectangles to me. And so you got to get in there and put some science on it and kind of figure it out. So if you do head on over to Sleep Doctor or check me out on social. I'm at, the handle is The Sleep Doctor on Facebook, on TikTok, on all the other different ones. I don't know them all anymore. Awesome. So uh, again, Dr. Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor. And uh, just remember that when we get the right amount of sleep, when we get enough sleep, we're not sleep deprived. Um, we're going to perform better. We're going to make, make way more money and we're going to pay way less tax. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.